So what I'm going to do is I'm going to begin in Judges 4. You might think, we're going to Judges? Well, yeah. And uh, again, I want to thank you that this is part of the fruit of your ministry. Um, you might not have been here, but I preached through Judges years ago in our evening service. And uh, this, this chapter, these two chapters should loom large, I think, in one of the narratives of the Old Testament that you love. Um, so let me begin. And I'm going to read, maybe make a few comments Um, I'll read through chapter 4, and then we'll switch to chapter 5. Then the sons of Israel again did what was evil in the sights, in the eyes of Yahweh, the Lord. Now Ehud had died, and Yahweh sold them into the hand of Jabin, king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor, and the commander of his army was Sisera, who lived in Herosheth Hagoim. Then the sons of Israel cried to Yahweh, for he had 900 iron chariots, And he oppressed the sons of Israel severely for 20 years. Now Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lapidoth, was judging Israel at that time. And she used to sit under the palm tree of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim. And the sons of Israel came up to her for judgment. Then she sent and summoned Barak, the son of Abinom, from Kedesh Naphtali and said to him, Has not Yahweh, the God of Israel, commanded, go and march to Mount Tabor and take with you 10,000 men from the sons of Naphtali and from the sons of Zebulun? And I will draw out to you Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army, with his chariots and his many troops to the river Kishon, and I will give him into your hand. Then Barak said to her, If you will go with me, then I will go. But if you do not go with me, I will not go. So she said, I will surely go with you. Nevertheless, the honor shall not be yours on the journey that you are about to take, for Yahweh will sell Sisera into the hand of a woman. Then Deborah arose and went with Barak to Kadesh. Then Barak called Zebulun and Naphtali together to Kadesh, and 10,000 men went up with him. Deborah also went up with him. Now Heber the Kenite had separated himself from the Kenites, the sons of Hobab, the father-in-law of Moses, and had pitched his tent as far away as the oak of Zananim, which is near Kadesh. Then they sold Sisera. They told Sisera that Barak, the son of Abinoam, had gone up to Mount Tabor. So Sisera, Sisera is the bad guy with the chariots, called together all his chariots, 900 air iron chariots, and all the people who were with him from Herosheth Hagoim to the river Kishon. And Deborah said to Barak, Arise, for this is the day in which Yahweh has given Sisera into your hand. Has not Yahweh gone out before you? So Barak went down from Mount Tabor with 10,000 men following him. And Yahweh threw Sisera and all his chariots and all his camp into confusion with the edge of the sword before Barak. And Sisera came down from his chariot and fled away on foot. But Barak pursued the chariots and all those in the camp as far as Harosheth Hagoim. And all the camp of Sisera fell by the edge of the sword. Not even one remained. Now Sisera fled away on foot to the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber the Kenite. For there was peace between Jabin the king of Hazor and the house of Heber the Kenite. And Jael went out to meet Sisera and said to him, Turn aside, my master, turn aside to me. Do not be afraid. And he turned aside to her into the tent, and she covered him with a rug. Then he said to her, Please give me a little water to drink, for I am thirsty. So she opened a bottle of milk and gave him a drink, and then she covered him. 
And he said to her, stand in the doorway of the tent and it shall be if anyone comes and asks of you and says, is there a man here that you shall say no? Then Jael, Heber's wife, took a tent peg and placed a hammer in her hand and went secretly to him and drove the peg into his temple. And it went through into the ground, for he was sound asleep and exhausted. So he died. Now, behold, Barak was pursuing Sisera, and Jael came out to meet him and said, Come, and I will show you the man whom you are seeking. And he entered with her, and behold, Sisera was lying dead with the tent peg in his temple. So God subdued on that day Jabin, king of Canaan, before the sons of Israel. And the hands of the sons of Israel went forth heavier and heavier against Jabin, king of Canaan, until they had cut Jabin, the king, cut off Jabin, the king of Canaan. Well, again, I, I, it's not my intent to uh, do a complete exposition of this wonderful passage, but um, again, Israel did Israel uh, evil in the eyes of the Lord, um, and this was the days of the judges. They would go through these cycles, and, and the characteristic of those days when everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Individualism, hyper-individualism, is not new with modern times, um, in other words, they, they would not submit to God's ways. They wouldn't submit to biblical teaching. Uh, they pieced it together, little by little, their own lives and, and religion. And so they were judged, and, and they were judged severely by the Lord by giving them into the hands of a, a king who was sort of like a Hitler, and Sisera was one of his henchmen. Um, Sisera is a very, very bad man, evil uh, you, you want to equate him to uh, one of the superior officers overseeing one of the concentration camps. That's the kind of character he was. Evil. Um, you should have no pity for Sisera. Um, he is, and you've got to deal with that. There's, there's real evil in the world, and there are real wicked and evil men. And Sisera was one of them. Now, the scene here is that Israel is just getting trampled on. Men and women, boys and girls are getting abused, sold into slavery. Uh, it's awful. This is not, you know, some comfortable war. They are suffering severely and being trampled down under the foot of uh, King Jabin's army and Sisera, the commander. So God had raised up at this time a prophetess. Um, and, and one of my purposes in reading this chapter is it's just to highlight the need for godly women to lead among the people of God in the appropriate spheres that God has given. But I wanted to read this text in part because some of you might be wondering Wednesday night why we have a women's edition of Becoming a Biblical Leader. It's because we need godly women who lead in the spheres that God has appointed and um, we don't believe that Deborah is a, is a pattern. You know, some make a lot of that and say, um, you know, somehow that makes, you know, women should be pastors and so forth. Uh, I simply want you to see that, that women uh, gifted by God, made in the image of God, can, can have a massive impact on the people of God. And there's a lot of young women here this, tonight. And I want you to see this, and I want you to look in chapter 4 that there's not one but two women who are held up as heroines. And really, uh, among all the people of Israel, it's not so much Barak, who's the guy, 
who's the leader. He's the, he's the leader of the army of Israel. Uh, yeah, he does a good job. He calls up 10,000 men. But you get a little indication of the days, of the, of the kind of days they were living in, which are not unlike the days we're living in, guys, where things are really tough. And God gives a commission to Barak, and he's not so sure. He's a little scared. And Barak says, Deborah has a word for him, and uh, says that he is to lead Israel's army. And he says, well, uh, verse 9, well, uh, uh, I'll go if you go. (laughs) I mean, look, that's all right when you're like a nine-year-old boy and you say that to your mom, but that's not good when you're a grown man. I'll, I'll, I'll go if you go. Uh, it's a characteristic of the days when men have been uh, beaten down or to the point where they're, they're lacking manly courage. And that was the days of the judges. And so, sisters in Christ, uh, you know this is the case. That sometimes uh, we men who are made by God to lead in the family and in the church, sometimes uh, we don't do so well. And, and praise God that he sometimes raises up sisters, women, who are of courage. And, and Deborah is one of those of courage. She's a tremendous example of courage, a godly woman. And so she says, yeah, I'll go. But at the end of the day, everybody's going to remember that Deborah was the one who led the victory, not Barak. Well, apparently Barak was okay with that. And uh, so I want you to see that. And, you know, again, you might be troubled a little bit. What, what are the ethics of JL? So you get the scene there. Uh, let me back up. So you got Cicero with 900 chariots. Just equate chariots with tanks and cruise missiles. All right? If you're thinking of Ukraine right now, one of the things about Ukraine, if you've read any of the footage or newspaper about that, where, where a lot of fighting is taken is, is just massive flat fields. Think of... Uh, Kansas or Nebraska or somewhere it's really flat so there's not a lot to hide behind and if that's the case and you have tanks and you're just 10,000 men just walking against 900 tanks not gonna go so well you're gonna get mowed down and um, so this is these are impossible odds Uh, Barak may have 10,000 men they're up um, north of the valley of Jezreel in the north of Israel little Mount Tabor's it's like it's like Kearsarge Mount kind of sticks out middle of nowhere picture Mount Kearsarge and then fields all around all right just flat and they they rally there but then they go out to meet these 900 chariots it's anyone else would think it's suicide But they go, why? Because the word of the Lord, God has said he'll be with them. So God routes all those chariots, those tanks, those cruise missiles, takes them out, and uh, the army's victorious, and uh, big bad old Sisera, the commander of the bad guys, he flees for his life. And he's running, 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 and he comes by the tent of this Heber the Kenite, and and, uh, this, his... uh, the women of his household, J.L., she meets him at the door. And again, you might be troubled by some of the, don't be troubled. I, personally, I don't think you should be troubled by the ethics. Um, if someone had had an opportunity to take out Hitler during World War II by giving him a glass of milk and maybe driving a tent tag through his head, I, I think they should have done it. And I think we would have all rejoiced. In other words, 
Uh, we don't glory in the gore. That's it. That's not it. What we glory in is the triumph of good over evil and the courage of this woman. And, and God, again, is lifting up Jael and her courage. And, and um, she, she knew Sisera was evil and she wasn't going to sit around and do nothing. Um, she was going to take out this evil man. And uh, so he asked for a glass of water. What's he, what's she give him? Glass of milk. Now, I don't drink milk too much anymore. I used to. But why do you sometimes drink a glass of milk in the evening? Sleep. Some of the old people here know that. Oh, he asked for water. She gave him milk. And suddenly Sisera got sleepy, sleepy, sleepy. And you imagine the courage. This woman. Now, she's pounded a lot of tent pegs, right? Because they're going from place to place to place. And, and she's part of the crew that sets up the tent. So, I mean, she can nail that thing. But she, you imagine the courage of her going up to that sleeping guy. And uh, the word of God um, exalts her courage. So with all that, in chapter 4, I want you to see, first of all, take note that we don't want to be like Barak, men, and him and Ha. We want to stand up and be there when the need is there. And ladies and sisters in Christ and young women, don't you believe for a minute that you have no role of leading God's people? You may not be a pastor, you may not be an elder or a deacon, but you can have a massive influence on the people of God. And uh, we need you. I mean, I really mean that. We really need women who love God and who lead other women, who teach other women, disciple other women, who, who you know, sometimes there are godly women and you don't even know that you're leading by your example, but you are. Um, so, chapter 5. Let's go to chapter 5. So they have the victory. Uh, big bad Sisera has been killed by the tent pig. And uh, so Deborah and uh, Barak sang a song. And, and Deborah is, is the author of most of it, apparently. And it's a little different for us. Uh, this isn't the kind of song that would hit the top 40 uh, where we are. You know, we don't really know how this works, but it's a song. And it's it's written with joy. You know, they, they, this is how they celebrated victories. And it's, it's poetic. It's grand. Um, uh, so there might be some references that you're not familiar with. But I want you to pick up on a few things. Pick up on the joy of the victory by God. But notice how Deborah emphasizes the role of, of the people of Israel. Then Deborah and Barak, the son of Abinom, sang on that day, saying, when the leaders led, when the leaders led in Israel, when the people volunteered, bless Yahweh, or the Lord. Hear, O kings, give ear, O rulers. As for me, to Yahweh I will sing. I will sing praise to Yahweh, the God of Israel. O Yahweh, when you went from Mount Seir, when you mounted March from the field of Edom, the earth quaked, the heavens also dripped, even the clouds dripped water. The mountains flowed at the presence of Yahweh, this Sinai at the presence of Yahweh, the God of Israel. Uh, there, uh, pause, uh, Deborah is reflecting on when 
God came down on Mount Sinai uh, before Israel in the wilderness. And, and if you look back at the book of Exodus, when that happened, the whole earth was shaking and there was lightning and it was amazing. So recounting the glory of God when he visited his people at Mount Sinai. In the days of Shamgar, the son of Anath, in the days of Jael, the paths had ceased. So travelers went by roundabout paths. Pause there. What she's recounting is how bad things were. Shamgar was one of the uh, judges. He was uh, a champion. Uh, he killed 600 Philistines with an ox goad. And uh, Shamgar is one of my favorite biblical names. I mean, Shamgar. No one's still taking me up on naming their son Shamgar, but um, anyways. Um, so uh, they were bad days, so people couldn't even walk. Could, people couldn't even travel on the roads because they would get robbed. Does that sound familiar? Yeah, those are the days. So they went secret ways, different paths. The peasantry ceased. They ceased in Israel until I, Deborah, arose, until I arose a mother in Israel, God chose new leaders. Then war was in the gates. Not a shield or spear was seen among 40,000 in Israel. Pause there. All the uh, military implements had been removed, apparently by uh, King Jabin. They'd gone around and made sure that nobody was armed. Deborah says, my heart goes out to the commanders of Israel, the volunteers among the people. Bless Yahweh. You who ride on white donkeys, you who sit on rich carpets, and you who travel on the road, muse aloud. At the sound of those who divide flocks among the watering places, there they shall commemorate the righteous deeds of Yahweh, the righteous deeds for his peasantry in Israel. Then the people of Israel went down to the gates. What she's celebrating there is uh, the reality that, that it was ordinary people stirred by the Spirit of God who stepped up in courage to meet the hour of need. Uh, unfortunately, apparently in many cases, those who were rich who rode on white donkeys, uh, mules, they were too busy to address the situation. Verse 12, awake, awake, Deborah, awake, awake, utter a song, arise, Barak, and take away your captives, O son of Abinom. Then survivors came down to the mighty ones. The people of Yahweh came down to me as warriors. From Ephraim, those whose root is in Amalek came down, following you, Benjamin, with your peoples. From Machir, commanders came down, and from Zebulun, those who wield the staff of a scribe. And the princes of Issachar were with Deborah, as was Issachar, so was Barak. Into the valley they rushed at his heels among the divisions of Reuben. The, among the divisions of Reuben, there was a great persistence of the heart. Why did you sit among the sheepfolds to hear the whistling of the flocks? Among the divisions of Reuben, there were great probings of the heart. Gilead dwelt across the Jordan, and why did Dan stay in ships? Asher sat at the seashore and dwelt by its landings. Zebulun was a people who despised their lives even to death, and Naphtali also on the high places of the field. I'm going to pause there, because by that point is really what I want to emphasize tonight. Um, We've looked at in chapter 4 the need for men and women to lead and to show courage in the hour of the church or, or the people of God's need. 
In this chapter, in the Song of Deborah, I want to just point out God's joy. God's joy over the volunteering of his people. Now, Deborah is rejoicing, but this is God's word. And Deborah is God's woman. And she is, this song is inspired by the Holy Spirit. This is not a carnal song. This, is, this, this song of joy rep, represents in, um, the, the song of heaven. And I want you to notice in verse 1, she rejoiced, I'm sorry, verse 2, when the leaders led. This is, this is the verse I've had in my mind all week, and that's why I had to preach it. As I was thinking about, well, not all week, but off and on, uh, when I was thinking about the sermon this morning, I was thinking about just the need we have for men, women, young and old, to determine in their own soul, whatever I do, I am going to serve the Lord Jesus. And I'm going to be a part of building up his church. I'm going to do that by, by, by living in the sphere, whatever he's given me, married, unmarried, parent, child. I'm going to work in my workplace. In all of that, I'm going to live for God. And I am going to have a special eye for the bride of Christ and if this is an hour when the church is under assault, which it is, and being eroded by a thousand different acidic, cultural, godless worldviews, and henpecked, if you will, by a thousand different people's opinion of what the church should be, I'm going to be someone who steps up, and whoever I am, with whatever meager gifts I have, in humility looking to the Lord, I'm just going to be there. I'm just going to be there. I'm going to be a churchman. I'm going to be a churchwoman. I'm going to be a missionary for Christ. I'm going to be a servant of the Lord. I'm his man. I'm his woman. That's what was happening in that day. Barak called and, and God stirred among the people, but not all the people. But I want you to see that she rejoices and God rejoices when the leaders led. You can be a leader and not lead can have the gifts oh is it tempting (laughs) I have loved being a pastor it it is a privilege I don't know why God in the mystery of his ways called me to be a pastor I still marvel and but there are days when I think isn't there something else I could do (laughs) Not, not because of you just because of the nature of the work and, and my inadequacy and, and the frustrations of it. And surely there's a, you know, I mean, just a easier way. But that, that doesn't last very long, by the way. That, that, that's, those are the thoughts that go in my heart and my mind. And I don't, well, why? Why? Because I, I know that the Lord bought me with his blood. He's gifted me and I, I have to lead. So I, I have to. But there's a temptation even when you have the role to not lead. Do you know what I mean? To just just have the role, but actually not do all that goes with the leading. And much of what goes with leading is actually things that most people will never see. It's heart work. It's prayer. It's thinking about people. It's having those difficult conversations that are awkward that somebody's got to have. It's leading. So God rejoices when the leaders lead. We have a crisis. This is, people have been writing about this in our culture for 
decades now, but we certainly have a crisis in our culture of a lack of those who apparently are willing to lead. We have lots of showmen, not many leaders. And so God rejoices here that the leaders led in Israel and the people volunteered. They showed up. So one of my points this morning as far as how can you be a part of building the church? I mean, one of my first closing, I I ran out of time, but was just as you're here, here tonight, so I'm preaching to the choir. But be there. Like, attend. Lend your body. Lend your voice. It makes a difference. Again, I use an illustration. You know, if you had a building and you had uh, made of granite, you know, here in Concord, in, in New Hampshire, we have buildings made of granite. And imagine if you looked at that building and half of the pieces of granite were missing out of the walls. You'd think, wow, um, I guess it's still standing, but that's, that's really missing. That's what it's like when, when you, a believer, are missing. Now, again, there are, there are things, reasons why you may not be at a worship service. I'm not, uh, I'm not saying that there are no reasons as to why you not, may not be at a worship service. And as I said this morning, there are some who live at a great distance, um, and particularly some who are older, and, and to those I would even say stay home. I don't want you driving at night. Uh, stay home and stay safe. But we have a trend in our time when the leaders aren't leading and the people aren't volunteering. And again, I'm speaking to the choir tonight, but part of what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to equip you to help your brothers and sisters. And you can go to texts like this. God loves it when the leaders lead, show up, and when the people volunteer and do the work. So you see that in verse 2. You see it down in verse 9. It's stated again. Deborah is overwhelmed. My heart goes out to the commanders of Israel. Even though Barak started out a little bit shaky, he stepped up. And that was a big deal. He led the, 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 the people, uh, the warriors from Mount Tabor, and they stepped out onto the open field and ran towards chariots. And, and she's moved by it, by the leadership of the commanders of Israel and, verse 9, the volunteers among the people. Bless the Lord. So I want, I would like Judges 5 to be in your heart and your mind part of the Bible's teaching on God's love for when his people serve and do, are at the, at, at the fight, do what needs to be done. You see it, then you see in verse 11, um, I'm sorry, uh, Yes, verse 11, the, the peasantry was the ordinary people. And, and then you go down to verse 15 through 18. And uh, Deborah starts to go through the, the different tribes. And she's rejoicing that some of the tribes showed up. And uh, they were like verse 15, the princes of Issachar were with Deborah. In other words, this was a time of division. People weren't united. So it was a big deal that they got behind Deborah. It was a big deal that Issachar... As was Issachar, so was Barak. Barak was the leader, and instead of, you know, dithering about, you know, all these different qualifications, when they saw that this was of the Lord, they got behind Barak and they followed him. In other words, they submitted to him and they were as one. Do you see that? Verse 15, as was Issachar, the tribe of Issachar, so was Barak. This is a moving scene. Into the valley they rushed at his heels. So, So again, you're up on Mount Tabor sun is coming up 
And you can see the gleam off of the iron chariots, 900 of them, maybe two or three men in each chariot. Uh, and, and typically, you're going to go out onto the field. There's no trenches, there's no trees, there's no place to hide. These horses, these chariots are going to be coming right at you. There is, there's, you're going to your death unless the Lord is before you. And Barak went first. He ran out. Do you see the scene? He's at the mountain, and he, and he yells a charge in the name of the Lord, and he starts running at full tilt towards those iron chariots. Isn't that moving? And she's, she's recounting it. But even, even as moving is that all these troops were at Barak's heels. They were right there with him. They didn't stand at Mount Tabor. Let's see how this goes for him. And, you know, maybe I'll think about joining. That's how too many people think about church these days. Let's see how things go at that church. Again, I'm preaching to the choir. You're here tonight, but, but you've got to help others. That, God loves it when his people are volunteer and his leaders lead. Uh, here there's a rebuke to a few of the tribes. Uh, for example, in verse uh, 15, uh, among Reuben there was great persistence or searching of heart. And again, in verse 16, there were great probings of heart. You know what that is. Well, you know, we've got a message from Deborah that um, we, I mean, we know it's a, we know that we, we know it's a difficult situation. Uh, I put it in modern terms. I, well, I know we should go to church. I, I know the church needs help. I, I know, but just so busy. I got so much going on. I got, you know, work. I got all kinds of things and great searchings of heart. And they didn't show up. And uh, that is a very exposing verse right there. Great searchings of heart. There's a little bit of, uh, well, not a little bit. There's, there's a rebuke from heaven on that. There comes a time when there's done for searchings of heart. And you say, I don't know how this is going to work, but I know what I need to do. And this is what the Lord's calling to me to do. So let the chips fall where they may. I'm going to Mount Tabor. I'm showing up. I'm going to do what the Lord Jesus has called me to do. I'll let him take care of what I can't see and what I can't understand. I'll let him work that out. But I'm done with searchings of heart. Do you see it there in verse 16? In contrast to the tribe of Reuben in this case, and we'll close with this, verse 18, Zebulun, Deborah said, was a people who despised their lives even to death. And Naphtali also. Isn't that a beautiful phrase? There wasn't any question about preserving their schedule, never mind their lives, their health, their energy, all the different reasons that people have as to why, well, I just, I just can't. Again, dear brothers and sisters, I, there are times when, when we are put on the bench on the Lord's team because of health. Um, there's, there's realities in our lives when we would want to do something and we can't. And some of you know the pain of that. You, you, you wish you could serve more, but there are circumstances truly outside of your control. That's not what I'm talking about tonight. What I'm talking about is the epidemic, if you will, in, in our time where just about the majority of professing Christians have some reason as to why it's even difficult to 
worship with God's people on a regular basis. That, that's how low we are in our current state. We don't want to be like that, and you're not, again. Uh, but see here how God loves and notices. See how God notices when his leaders lead, when his volunteers, when his people volunteer, and when they are those who out of their zeal for the Lord, verse 18, despise their lives even to death. What happens to my possessions? What happens to my career? What happens to my health? Um, that's in the Lord's hand. I'll let him take care of that. It's a very stirring, moving song. And I hope that it's appropriate tonight as we come to a close. Uh, just to reemphasize, I hope, a theme of this morning. Be a part of building up the church. And, and you are. But again, tonight there's maybe some, uh, maybe some of you who are tired, and I hope this is an encouragement to you. There's maybe some of you that are kind of on the fence and you need to get off the fence. There's some of you who are younger and you're thinking, yeah, well, you know, I'm, I'm only 18, 17. I'm only 20, 21. I mean, I, someday when I get around to it, I know I, I, that's something I should do. Now's the time. Now's the time to serve the Lord. Appropriately, in the sphere that he's called you to. But... There's no time for waiting. It's time to serve the Lord. And you are, and I am so thankful for you, and I just want to encourage you to remember Judges 4 and 5 as an example of God's joy over when his leaders lead and his people volunteer. Let's pray. God, we love you, and we marvel that you use us. Uh, We are so frail. Uh, We are so easily distracted. Um, most of us can identify with Barack and his hesitation. Many of us can identify with Reuben and his great searchings of heart and indecision. So we are not looking somehow to some internal will tonight. We are looking to the Lord Jesus. And you are our captain And you have called us like you spoke, looking into Peter's eyes, to love your church. Maybe not all of us are called to teach and lead, but we are all called to love you and love your bride. And these are days in which your church here and in other places desperately needs the full engagement of the leaders you've given to your church and of the people that you've gifted and intend to volunteer. So we pray that uh, as we begin this study on Wednesday nights, we pray that as we kind of commit this uh, whole new um, uh, emphasis, we just ask that your spirit would work mightily among us. And even whether we're able to attend Wednesday nights or not, that we would have a sense together as your people that you are building up this local church in and through ordinary redeemed men and women like us. And we pray, glorify yourself in our weakness so that we may sing songs of victory and praise about you in your name. Amen.